You are listening to the Compliance Conversations podcast by Healthicity. If you work in the healthcare industry, you know how crucial compliance is to your bottom line, your reputation, and the success of your organization as a whole. If this is your first time listening, welcome. A transcript of every Compliance Conversations episode can be found at www.healthicity.com resources, along with a ton of other thought leadership materials. You can add us to your RSS feed and iTunes, or follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Compliance Conversations. I am CJ Wolf with Healthicity, and we are excited to have another episode. And today, our guest is Joanne Spethman. And we are uh, so excited to have you, Joni. Uh, welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And Joni, you know, one thing we love to have our guests do is just tell us a little bit about how you ended up where you are, what you're doing, maybe a little bit about kind of your experience in kind of this coding compliance documentation world that we're going to talk about today. Sounds great. Um, so uh, I've been in healthcare for 30 years, so um, I had to kind of sum it up in my head. <laughs> Uh, with yeah. all the twists, with all the twists and turns, um, exactly. I've worked for health systems encoding. I've been a traveling coder. I've worked in software development, and then I eventually got into uh, consulting. And I've been in the consulting world uh, a role for the last eight years. But my experience has been in inpatient, profi, uh, HGC coding, auditing, and now CDI. Um, I decided to take the CDIP, the AHIMA credential for CDI, about four and a half, five years ago. Um, and then I was lucky enough to get the opportunity to um, be in a role uh, as, you know, learning CDI and providing coding support for a CDI as well. So I got to do both and I got to see uh, that world um, up close uh, yeah. because I, I had always been interested in knowing more, but just hadn't pursued it. Um, so that opportunity helped me realize where um, where our differences are, where our similarities are, and, and all kinds of, of helpful information for sure. Um, I'm currently working for uh, MRA as an inpatient coding auditor and DRG validator. I also consult on some other projects and am a member of the AAPC Compliance Committee. Cool. Yeah. So you are busy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to live life, though, right? <laughs> Never a dull moment. Yeah. Well, and Joni, um, just to kind of give some of our listeners might not be as familiar with CDI. It, correct me it's if I'm wrong. Clinical documentation improvement, right? Correct. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about that. What, like what? What are the CDI coding roles? Like, like tell us like in, in the day-to-day -day of an organization or a hospital, what does CDI do? Okay, so um, CDI just kind of as an overview, reviews the record to make sure the documentation accurately reflects the care being given to the patient. Um, so they review everything clinical um, just to make sure that the documentation, so say a patient lost uh, you know, a significant amount of blood, they were transfused, um, it was monitored, uh, and either anemia was documented, uh, but not the specificity, or it wasn't documented at all. That CDI 
would query the provider to uh, get specificity for that documentation or lack thereof. Uh, yeah. So you're reaching so, out to clinicians. Yes. After kind of reviewing the, the medical record in, on an inpatient basis, right? Yes. And they're also doing it concurrently um, while the patient's in-house. So ah, smart. Um, they work off of lists um, of, you know, and, and each facility has their own method of how those lists are distributed and, and run. And, um, and that CDI is responsible for, you know, monitoring that patient for, I don't know how many days, you know, it's, it's specific to each facility and, uh, and they can get the documentation um, that's, that's necessary uh, for the most specific or accurate code for the yeah. coder. Exactly. And this is important, you know, because both from a reimbursement and a compliance standpoint, right? Because you want to make sure it's as accurate as possible so that you capture, you know, the complexities. So you get reimbursed appropriately if it's a complex patient. But from a compliance standpoint, you also don't want to go overboard and receive reimbursement. You shouldn't be because that could be a compliance issue, right? Exactly. And so an example of that might be, uh, you know, a patient has low blood pressure requiring medications, fluids, uh, but not reaching the level of shock. Um, you know, you wouldn't want, uh, you know, to say the patient had shock if it wasn't at that level, if it didn't meet clinical criteria. Um, and sometimes if, uh, you know, a or insurance companies don't feel that that diagnosis is met, you know, a denial could happen based on that diagnosis and then a clinical validation, um, you know, rebuttal would, might be necessary or if, if they in fact did have it. So yes, the clinical aspects are, are very important to the coding. Yeah, and, and for, so, so we have some listeners who are compliance officers, they might not be as, uh, you know, versed in the details of, of this, but, uh, and you correct me if I'm wrong, but basically, on the inpatient side, and this is a high-level summary, the hospitals get reimbursed off of that diagnosis, right? That ICD code, which maps to a DRG, which maps to a payment. And that yes. may be a little different than a lot of folks thinking like, okay, for my doctor, the reimbursement level is more or less determined by like the CPT or professional uh, procedure code. ICD coding is still important for like LCDs and that sort of thing, but the reimbursement level is driven by that procedure code. And so that's a little different from like how hospitals are reimbursed from like a professional, right? One difference for sure. And um, for PCS, um, so some uh, DRGs will be procedure driven and others won't. Okay. Um, and that's, that's, you know, a very big difference um, for sure. Because certain procedures can impact um, coding more than, more than you realize. Gotcha. On the inpatient side. And so PCS Correct. stands for procedure um, coding system. Is that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I just wanted to give a little bit of that background, you know, to our compliance folks who, who may, we have a lot of coding folks that are listening to, but, um, some might not as know those details. Uh, and then before we kind of go on to some of these other questions, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned a C dip which is a certification from AHIMA. Can you tell us about other certifications and tell us about that one as well in this space? The um, Clinical Documentation Improvement Practitioner is what the CDIP is. 
Okay. Um, and I took that. Um, I am certified with two other certifications from AHIMA. So I didn't have to join another organization, at least right. not right away. <laughs> so, um, but it's, I mean, I, their study guide is amazing. And uh, it was, I mean, it was a tough test. I'm not going to lie. Um, so that's, that's really interesting. And my guess is that, you know, you have people that are in these roles have to know uh, some really clinical information, right? So are, do some people come into this role from a clinical background? Are people learning the clinical, um, you know, most, these trainings and certifications? Yes. Most um, nursing is the biggest um, group, I guess, that, uh, that goes to the CDI role. I do know people with RHIAs like myself and coding backgrounds that have gone that direction, but um, it's mostly for nursing. And um, believe me, I got to find out why, uh, <laughs> because it's, it is, it's extremely clinical. It's extremely clinical. I learned about things I never thought I would know, um, which exactly. was great. Um, and, uh, and it made me realize how completely necessary both groups are and how necessary the relationship is. Yeah, I was just going to say that because, you know, and, and medicine's always advancing, right? And so, yes, you know, you're getting the specifics. My my assumption here is that you've got some clinicians that when you query them, they're pretty good at explaining things and you, you probably learn a lot. And yes. then some that might not be so good at that communication. <laughs> so. Yes, yes. <laughs> some don't want to hear from you as often. Exactly. And, right. and others um, are okay with it. Um, yeah. But I think like any role, um, so the there's coding is, you know, the process of taking the clinical documentation and assigning diagnosis and procedure codes. So the data, the data is standardized for reimbursement. And it's just important to remember the goal is for a complete and accurate record. And that's where the, you know, our common goal is. That's what we want. And um, we want an accurate reflection. And uh, so clinically, I um learning about the CDI rule opened my eyes. It, it sort of widened my lens. Um, because as a coder, um I was very uh sort of black and white, I guess, where I was like, well, it's not written. Um, uh, you know, the clinical side isn't my part, so I'm just yeah. gonna do what's here. And and while that has been acceptable in the past, I think things have shifted since CDI came into the picture. And I don't know that, that um, our processes have shifted with it enough um, because uh, at, you know, being a consultant, I've seen a lot and seen where there's a communication breakdown. There's um, you know, there's a thing called a mismatch where um, coding and CDI um, come up with two different uh scenarios and they need a third party reviewer um in you know in house to look at those and make decisions and yeah. so it can get tricky yeah yeah i can imagine so it's sounding like too that there may be some challenges on the overlapping of roles so <laughs> coding cdi clinicians i don't know if there's other roles involved what why do I, I mean you've kind of already mentioned some of those challenges are there any additional challenges that you can think of Oh yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> <You did them. laughs> yeah. Um, but I do feel like some places 
handle them better than others. And, um, and, and we can talk about that too, the, the circumstances that, that can impact these challenges. But um, I see where both teams, so both teams are querying the provider and it's important to have boundaries on you're querying on this, we're querying on this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and if there's a clinical uh, question that it does go to CDI um, or it goes, you know, for verification with CDI uh, so they can help address, you know, those issues um, with yeah. the provider. Um, the other overlaps. So when CDI does their job, they do what's called a working DRG. And so they're coding basically. And, right. and then, um, you know, the mismatch can happen because of coding differences. The coder feels something else should have been coded or it was coded incorrectly. Um, and I would say, um, and then procedure codes, some CDIs will do them, some won't. Some places will say, just skip that part and let the coder do it because that's coding. Um, so that creates a little more work for the coder. But at the same time, if it's not their specialty, it's good they're letting it go, you know, that right. letting coding do it. Um, the principal diagnosis uh, seemed to be one of the biggest challenges um, in, in the overlap area because, um, you know, that decision is it's difficult because the documentation may reflect um, a different principal diagnosis, like on the discharge summary and wherever. And as a coder, we don't usually challenge that. Um, as a CDI, you're looking at a bigger picture. You're looking right. at the entire stay. You're not just looking at what he wrote. And what he wrote wasn't, he doesn't ever say, this should be first. This is the reason, right. you know? Exactly. Uh, there's just, I just learned I guess there's more to the story is yeah. what, what comes to my head for, <laughs> for this scenario. So um, it's, it definitely widened my lens to what's going on. Yeah. I can, I can imagine it. Like you said, it, there's more to the story and we're going to get more to the story here with Joni in a second. We're going to take a short break uh, and then we'll be right back. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you need content to help advance your career in compliance. You need great information and CEUs to keep your certifications. We're here to help. Healthicity offers webinars on tons of topics designed to inform and educate while keeping it interesting. And most of our webinars will earn you 1.2 CEUs. We know you're busy. That's why our webinars work with your schedule. You can attend live or watch on demand. Grab a cup of coffee, a snack, whatever you need. Settle in and check out all our webinars at healthicity.com slash resources. Now let's hear the rest of this episode of Compliance Conversations. Welcome back, everyone, from the break. Um, we're talking today about CDI and its important role in, in coding and compliance. And, um, and Joni is our, our guest. Um, Joni, anything else that you want to share kind of on? We were talking about challenges, overlapping of roles. One of the things that I'm wondering in that context of roles, are there always CDI people? Are they, you know, are they um, sometimes, are the coders the CDI people? It sounds like there may be three, you know, three points to this triangle, but is that the case in every organization that you work with? Um, yeah, there's a coding department and there's a CDI department. So, okay. Um, and, uh, one of the things that can impact 
a challenge is what department the teams report to. Um, I noticed at different facilities, they report to different people. Some will report to revenue cycle. Some will report to HIM, quality, care management. Um, But what's important is regardless of where they're reporting, you know, leadership needs to support them as a team because they really do work together. And when you put them in silos, it's, it creates sort of another gap, you know? Yeah. And um, because it's just important for both parties to, to really understand where the other one's coming from. Yeah. So to like avoid those silos, are there things you've seen that have helped? Like, like, I don't know, are there committees, are there working groups that, you know, maybe meet on a regular basis so that those relationships get formed? And so you're not in these silos. What have you seen that works well? I've seen um, where they're pairing coders with CDIs. They'll pair one with another. And um, that's Godwell. I've seen um, like where they do information and education shares where um, like if they get audited, you know, by an outside auditor, that they're sharing results with both departments. So coders will share their results. CDI will share theirs. They're inviting each other into their meetings you know, when findings are being discussed um, so that they can learn. And those, that seems to work very well. You know, one thing I've wondered, you know, because I come from a medical background and work a lot with docs, um, do, so, you know, some docs, you know, might be employed by the system. And so they might have an interest in making sure that the hospital and the system is reimbursed appropriately and correctly. But what if they're just like a, you know, a community doc who has privileges at the hospital, but it's like no skin off their back if the hospital doesn't get the right coding and reimbursement. You know, is do you see that sometimes with those different maybe incentives in the docs? Um, you know, I I guess I don't ever focus on like necessarily. I focus on specialty more than I focus on uh, gotcha. that that type of role because you can have a disinterested physician that's, you know, well-connected. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. so it's really about how can you get them engaged? How can you keep them engaged? And, um, you know, not, you know, query them to death. Um, you definitely yeah. don't want to do that. Um, Cause they'll, they'll run away from that. Yeah, exactly. It's like, they don't want to be contacted every five minutes. I mean, what, what is the, the general, I know there's probably not a, a firm rule, but what is too much? Is it like, I, I, I'm not in this space, so I don't know. Are people querying every day? Is it every week? Is it like, it, what are you I generally mean, They're getting, I mean, they're getting probably more than they should be. <laughs> they, <Not sure>. It <laughs> just depends. It, I can't give that a solid answer because of there's some physicians that get queried more than others. And yeah. Um, and think about the services they're providing too, where as we know how how much sicker patients are. So right. um, those cases are going to be more complicated. They're going to need more clarification or specificity. So um, queries, I, I'm sure, have gone up since COVID. Yeah, exactly. And, and do queries take place? I'm, I'm assuming it's like an email or a message inside the medical record and they get an alert or is it so, you're picking yeah. up the phone? They have a, they have, they have an EM, like EMRs usually have something in place um, for them. Um, I know 3M does um, where it's in the system 
for them mm-hmm. um, to respond to. Uh, and that's where the CDI leaves the, the query for them to answer and it notifies the physician. Gotcha. Yeah, interesting. I have a, a doc colleague that that uh, who was retiring kind of from the medical field um, from practicing and he still wanted a career and he got into into CDI. Do you see that happening very much? You mentioned nurses. Oh, yes. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot of physicians um, getting into CDI for sure. Um, and uh, like I said, they're they'll have um second level reviews, they call them, or a physician uh, a liaison that handles, um, you know, when there's mismatches and things like that. So they have actual roles like that for providers. Yeah. You mentioned specialties before. Are, are some specialties, like, is it usually like one CDI expert dealing with all specialties? Or do you, can you specialize in CDI, like in critical care or in neurosurgery or do you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. it, it would seem like there would be some benefit to having people work in the same general areas. I haven't seen it where okay. um, the only area I've seen that maybe they specialize or they they would have to or really want to is pediatrics. Oh, okay. Yeah. Where they'd want a pediatric nurse. Um, I mean, it's not that they couldn't train, but other than that, um, you know, they look at everything. Okay. Yeah. And that makes sense with pediatrics, you know, because all sorts of things are different with kids, right? Yes. Vitals different. Um, oh yeah. Coding. Different normal, different normal values, different abnormal values. So if we go into, go into it with a child thinking, oh, this is the heart rate or respiratory rate. It's it just, oh, well, that might be normal for a kid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and there's a lot of coding differences um, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one other thing I was thinking of, and I don't know if you know much about, it, but it's like you're we're all we're talking about in the hospital processes. Do insurance companies have their own CDI? Like what happens if they feel it's different than what you guys feel? <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, yes, it does. <laughs> and believe me, that happens more than it should. Um yeah. they have um they have probably what are called nurse reviewers, um, not necessarily CDI that that review um, for clinical um, reasons and right. to make sure that that uh, it's they're doing their own clinical validation and that and they're the ones that would probably be part of the denial of you know this doesn't meet criteria to be reporting this or wasn't treated or addressed or whatever. But um, yeah, they probably have, and physician reviewers too, they have um, physicians that also work on denials and, or on that end, on their end. Gotcha. I know on the inpatient side, I don't know if this is still the case, just with the coding piece, like the AHA's coding clinic, right? Like the coding clinic is like a a, a foundational resource, right? Like um, in- uh, on regs and wh- how it should be done. It, are there are there definitive guidelines like that in the CDI world, or does it also come from like a coding clinic type of publication? It's it's actually comes straight from that. Um, so the coding guidance like hierarchy is the coding conventions, the official guidelines, and then coding clinic. And gotcha. 
um, they, uh, they'll use coding clinic, you know, as well, but they use all, and that's where the biggest overlap is. They really are working in coding because to, yes. to do a working DRG, you have to have that understanding, right. uh, so that you're following guidelines that you're aware of coding clinics surrounding certain diagnoses. And, um, so that's where it can get kind of tricky. Yeah. You, you shared some examples of, uh, you know, things you might come across. Are there any common examples? So like, you know, if our, if our um, compliance officers are listening, they're like, oh, we want to just make sure that, that things are working well. Are there like two or three like things that you see over and over again that are problems? Um, as far as problems? As far as like the documentation, like that you're that that you're noticing that code CDI folks are constantly going back to doctors saying, okay, in this scenario, you know, we need to know the difference between this or this. Um, like you were mentioning shock before. Um, shock would I, be. I just kind of shock is one. Shock would be. I mean, that would be fairly common to have to query about. Um, okay. Sepsis has always been an issue. Sepsis. Um, yeah. There's COVID-related diagnoses that we usually have to see if, you know, if they come back or they come in with pneumonia, is it a COVID pneumonia? You know, did they, um, where they have to, you know, link things. Right. Um, I'm trying to think. Let me ask you about this one. Like I've seen it, like, cause I come from a compliance background. And so sometimes I'm looking at cases that that hit the news of like this hospital had to settle because they upcoded their DRGs. Mm -hmm. now, I know this been a couple of years back, but like the whole issue with uh, undernutrition and core and all those types of things, are those yep. still out there that you see or? Yes. I, um, but I feel like because of that issue um, that it has uh, forced hospitals to really look at that and have a yeah. better process in place because right where they're being, they're having nutrition consults done and getting the appropriate information to make sure that the appropriate criteria is met. Because um, I think what was happening was, you know, patient can look malnourished or right. <laughs> not be eating, but, you know, doesn't make them severely malnourished, you know, so. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Where do you get your education? Like, uh, you know, we all go to conferences and things. Are there certain conferences? My guess is there may be certain tracks at conferences, like coding conferences that deal with CDI. Uh, any thoughts on just kind of continuing education in this space? So um, AHIMA is always good. AAPC is always good. Um, MRA actually provides free CEUs and excellent education. Um, wow. and, uh, and they have a really good blog uh, as well. And oh, but um, and then Actus um, uh, also has a conference and, and great information. Um, I feel like there's some really good information out there. And uh, Actus and Ahima um, had recently come out with the query writing. Um, it was the uh, practice brief on querying, oh, and okay. um, and so that collaboration is is very positive, and I. I hope to see more of a collaboration um, to encourage coding and CDI to sort of come together more. Yeah. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, you've talked a lot about just kind of the collaboration and how important that is. Um, and I can, I can completely see why that is essential and try to avoid those, those silos, as you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Journey, we're getting a little bit towards the end, but I want to want you to think if there's anything I didn't ask you, or if there's anything, you know, think of our listeners, we've got some coders, we've got some compliance people, um, you know, anything else that you think's important on this topic? I think we could talk about it all day. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, uh, definitely. Um, I think just, um, you know, trying to, you know, if each organization can try and work on solutions to um, improve communication. Um, and, uh, like some are even putting concurrent coders on the front lines with CDI, um, yeah. and just really brainstorm on how, um, they can kind of meet in the middle. I love that. Yeah. I, you know, when you work shoulder to shoulder with somebody, you, you tend, those walls tend to come down a little bit. Right. And you, yeah. <laughs> you start to collaborate more than like fight about it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. That's so good. Joni, it has been a pleasure talking to you about this. Um, Thank you. You too. We really, we really appreciate your expertise over 30 years in healthcare. And, and you obviously know, know a lot about this topic. Thank us. Thanks again. And um, everyone that's listening, thank you for, for listening to another episode. If you like these episodes, please um, uh, hit the like button and uh, share it with friends. Um, that's how we get the word out. Um, and we'd love for you to, to share it if you enjoy it. Um, until our next uh, episode, please uh, be safe and, and have a great day, everyone. Compliance Conversations is sponsored by Healthicity. Healthicity designs software and services that simplify compliance and auditing challenges that reduce your risk and save you money. Where others see complexity, we see simplicity. For more information, visit healthicity.com.